0: Father, we just come before you tonight, and Lord, we just give you ourselves. Father, we ask you to open our ears. Father, we open our hearts and our will, Father, to you tonight, and we say, Lord, have your way. Father, we don't want to leave here the same. Let this word root into our hearts and change the outward man, Father, that we can be renewed in you, God, and become what you need us to be, Father, for this next generation. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. All right, so um, let's, let's talk about what revival is. You know, a lot of times we throw this word around, oh, we're going to be having in our church a four-day revival. Is revival just a church meeting? We're going to have a conference. We're going to have like a camp meeting. No, that's not what revival is, although that's what we've dumbed it down to, now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that revival can't happen in a four-day camp meeting that's labeled revival in your church. I'm not saying that that isn't the case. But if you just come to a four-day service in a normal way that you come to a 10 church, and you might come prepared, you might have prayed, you might have seek the Lord before you got here, but you're waiting to see what the man's going to sit in, on a platter and serve you, that's not revival. That's you coming to get something without doing anything in preparation for it. And I'm just going to tell you, in lieu of Tim's loving, kind, gentle message on Sunday that talked about a secret place and God wanting to be with you, that relationship with Christ cost you something. It cost you something. And if you think, granted, walking with God costed time and energy. Time and energy. And if you think walking with someone doesn't cost something, why don't you try it? Leave your job and walk with somebody and do what they do for a day. Because that secret place is going to cost you something. Now, we're not getting works-oriented. What I'm telling you is that if you truly want to know God and have a relationship with Him, it requires you walk and sit with Him we got to do what he does in order to understand who he is, right? So that's what revival is. Why do we need revival? Why? Why? I don't know. How many of you went through last year? How many of you felt tired, uh, frustrated, aggravated, disunified? Like, what is happening, Lord? Could you speak louder because I can't hear you? Did did anyone feel like we just had to sit down and bear what we were going through? Even though we knew God was with us, we know God's walking with us, we know he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but there was time, you just wanted it to stop. Amen? Hopelessness. Hopelessness. People lose hope. They need to find hope again. It's often after a very dry season of going through the motions, showing up just to get through life. It's dark. It's a dark place. It's like you've been knocked out. But when revival comes, but when revival comes, it's like a renewed consciousness and you're alive again to what you were once alive to. The word revival means to renew, to restore, to revive. But guess what? You must have had to have been alive first before you can be revived. So, who's revival for? You and I who know Christ. Now, we could go further, we could go all the way back to Genesis and say, That that state of Adam and Eve walking in the garden was perfection and they were alive. And that every person that doesn't know Christ in that place anymore needs a revival. Yes, that's true. But what I'm talking to you about is a personal revival in your own heart, in your own relationship with Christ that drives you to that secret place that revival comes out of that place. But if you never go to the place... You never get revived. You never get renewed. You never get restored, which means put back in its original state. Remember, remember when you first got saved? Oh my goodness, come on. And you heard the good news and the salvation message and you felt the weight of the world come off of your life and you knew something had been different. You were changed. You were no longer the person you were. You were hungry. You wanted to learn. You couldn't get enough of this word it didn't matter if you understood anything you just kept reading and reading and reading and reading you were calling people in the church you were posted on facebook you were telling all the revelations that you got because every scripture you read came alive and you got it and you couldn't help but share it with everyone around you when we are renewed and restored back to an original state of what was we are restored in right relationship with Christ but we are restored with a fervency with a fire with a hunger and with a thirst and what i'm telling you is that if you're not aware that you are unconscious let me just say this when you leave a sur- this is how you tell when you leave a sunday service and you look at your spouse or the person in the car and you say Man, that just didn't do anything for me today. I didn't get anything out of that worship service. It was so dry. I hate that song they sing. You are unconscious. You are spiritually unconscious unconscious and you have been knocked out because of the world and the cares of it and the devil's game. This is what he does. Do you understand? He dulls you every day. He's trying to dull your five senses that they can't hear the spirit, that they can't see the spirit, that they can't feel the spirit. Do you understand that? When revival hits, a new awareness comes back. An awareness comes back. The fear of God returns to the church. Let me tell you something. There isn't one of you that would let a slang word come out of your mouth if true revival hit your heart. Because you'd too be too afraid that it would send you straight to you nowhere. There's a renewed conviction that comes. There's a sense of his presence and his awareness. And it's just the smallest drop. You are know, like, oh, there it is there it is and you just shut your mouth and be still shut your mouth and be still and let him work there's a sense of revival in this house now I'm telling you that it's not by chance that we chose three weeks ago to begin preaching on this it's not by chance that we just sat in a meeting where time did not matter there wasn't one of you that was here Until 1130 I didn't even know what time we left I can't even tell you what time we left each night but I can tell you this that no one cared because the presence of the Lord was here am I right am I right what if I told you that revival doesn't start in the church what if I told you that revival starts in you Dave you're right in you It starts with you and me, and then it trickles into the church, and the church gets on fire, and then the church equips them on Sunday, and they go into their communities, into their cities, and then our nation is touched. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? There's some of you that are very at unrest because your nation is not where you want it to be. Let me tell you something. The church has been asleep a little too long. I'm not going to disagree with you. We've been in an unconscious state, but what I'm telling you is that you don't get to wake up out of unconsciousness and immediately go to the nation and demand it to change. It demands in a heart change and it begins in your heart, your community, your city, and then it takes your nation. That's called an awakening. That's called a great awakening. And the only way an awakening is going to come is if revival first comes to you and I and into the church. And the only way revival comes is if you find the secret place. And you sit there. And you spend time with God. Spend time with God. See, here's here's the struggle. Here's the struggle. When we first became Christians, we were hungry. We weren't afraid to sit at his feet. Time didn't matter. We had all the time in the world because he was all that mattered. He was it. You were in love, just like a spouse is in love with your husband or your wife. I'm going to tell you what, you couldn't get enough of her no matter what. I can't get Lincoln home by midnight. Be- is Grace here? No, Grace isn't here. Because him and Grace are over there. Mom, I got to get home. When I get home from vacation, I got to go see Grace. I said... You just got home on Sunday. I know. We got home at 3 a.m. He was here at church so he could go see Grace. Because he knew he wasn't going to go see Grace if he wasn't at church. Listen, you can't keep him away from her. Why? because he's connected he's soulishly spending time with her he's learning who she is he's investing in her and she's investing in him that's called draw near to me and I will draw near to you this is who Jesus is to us he's asking you come sit with me come as soon as you get back from vacation come sit come sit tell me all about it I'm waiting for you I can't get enough of you but what is it in us that gets enough of him what shuts it off? Is it the fact that we begin to come to a place where we don't need him anymore? Is it that we can provide for ourselves? So I really don't need to believe that you're my provider anymore because I have a job. And, and when I came to the Lord, I was unemployed. And I, I needed him. You know, and my marriage was falling apart and I didn't have any place to go. But now my marriage is good and, you know, I know all the right things to do. Is it that we get comfortable and complacent and we stop the secret place because we start feeling on our own that we've got it all worked out? Is it our selfishness, our self-reliance that we depend on ourselves and not on him anymore? It's a dangerous place. See, the heart of the church has to come back. It has to come back to its first love. It has to restore back to what we did in the beginning of who we are, a marriage that's broken. Just go back to the beginning and love each other like you did when you dated. Spend 15 hours a week together. I promise you, you'll fall back in love instead of 15 minutes a week. Because you're busy driving the kids and grocery shopping and paying bills, and I'm golfing and you're swimming and I'm doing this, you know what? You didn't do that when you were dated. You did everything together. Come back to what you did. That's the relationship that he longs for. Second Timothy three two says, "I want to go there in scripture tonight." It says, I'll read it to you. I'm going to be using the NIV on this scripture tonight. It says, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasures rather than lover of God. Whoo! That's a lot, but listen to the next line. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Was he talking to the world, or was he talking to you and I? So, in the last days, he's warning us, this is what's going to happen to you instead of returning to that secret place day in and day out which is required relationship to walk with god we have to spend time with him but all these other things are going to come in play money pride oh you're going to be disobedient not just to your parents but to the word unholy without love frustrated with things that people around us are doing frustrated because they don't see the way we see frustrated because they don't do what we want them to do unforgiving slanderous you're going to speak what you think about them not doing what you want them to do more or less you're not going to say it's your spouse you're going to put it on facebook so that the whole world knows you're slandering somebody But listen i'm being real with you do you know how many times i've erased a post I'm letting you know. I've given my phone to Ashley and she's erased it for me. She said, that's not a good girl. I said, I know, but I needed to type it. (laughs) Everyone needs a friend like Ashley. I'm just going to let you know. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Have you ever met people that are dedicated and married to the lake? Randy and I were on the lake one time and he said, you know what? We could do this all the time. We could just live here. We could get a lake house. I said, really? What would we do for Jesus? Well, I, I don't know. I said, I know we could start a church on the dock. We could start. We were looking for a way to get there. God doesn't want me on the lake. He wants me to enjoy the lake on my vacation. But he wants me doing the Lord's work. I'm not saying you can't do the Lord's work at the lake if that's where you live. But your pleasure can't replace your secret place which keeps you in a place of where you don't need a revival. Hear me out. Hear me out. It's dry, thirsty land. People that have lost their first love that need a revival. Now, I'm not saying that's any of us. We're all on point, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had to read the message first, too. Listen. Revival does begin with you and me and our churches, but listen revival happens when God's people and we've all heard this scripture over the last year and a half We've heard this scripture till you're probably sick in your mind literally Revival happens when you seek and pray. Here's what it says 2nd Chronicles 714 if my people will pray Seek my face and turn from their wicked way I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Seek and pray; those two words mean relationship with Jesus. It's a secret place. That's what Tim was. To, Pastor Tim was talking about on Sunday. This is where we spend time with our Savior. If you do this, you get the end reward. Okay. Now, seek and pray, and have a repentant heart, because it said, "Turn from their wicked ways." I'm not talking about, oh, Lord, I lied today, and I'm sorry. Yes, I'm talking about that. I'm not talking about, I looked at my neighbor's wife and coveted. That's obvious to you. That is a blatant sin, and you know it's wrong. It's the Ten Commandments. You've heard them since you were two. I don't care if you're unchurched or churched. You know the Ten Commandments. I'm talking about a repentive heart that reveals the true you, the true you, a repentive state that is allowing God to turn this huge searchlight on and search deep within you, looking within your inner parts, your motive. Your hidden ideas that you think you're smarter than anyone else, that you think you know how God's gonna do this, your agenda, your ugly parts that no one else sees. Like when you really said what you said with a joke, you meant evil behind it. I'm talking Psalms 139, 23, 24. Search me, O God. That means examine me. Examine me. How many of you know where you get examined? On a doctor's table. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's an uncomfortable place. If you're a woman, it's uncomfortable. If you're a man past 40, it's going to get uncomfortable. That's all I got to say. And for Quentin, for his sports vigil, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable. Examine me. Let me be found out. That's what it says. Examine me. Search me. You know in me better than I know me. Or better than I want to admit. Or better than I let anybody see, because I don't think you really see that dark part in me. Oh, sometimes we do. I'm just gonna be real. And know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked. Now, this is gonna kill you right here. The word wicked in this scripture means idol, sorrow, sorrow, and offense. In other words, anything offensive to God that I'm doing that I might have fashioned, that I might have made in my own mind that I've set above you and it makes you sorrowful. What? What? You mean I have the ability to fashion things and make things that I set in place above God and it brings him sorrow and it's offensive to him. Yes. 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 Search me anything that's wicked in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Anything that I have fashioned, any pleasure, a pastime that I've put before you, Any ideas of success or promotion that maybe drive me to work and work and work because I'm a workaholic, because that's where I get my identity. Because the identity that I've fashioned in myself and made an idol is for survival because I was told I was nothing and I would never be anything. Do you see? We make things in our lives. We make thought patterns in our life that make an idol that we start chasing above God. And then when God says, you're worth more, you mean the world to me. We say, oh, no, I'm not. I'm nothing. Yeah, you made that idol. You fashioned an idol and set it up in your mind bigger than God did. God never told you that. Man might have told you you're not. But God came to redeem you and set you free. Rip the idol down, throw it away, like Aaron. Remember the Israelites? Moses goes up to the mountain. He's in a secret place with God. Well, the other people get tired of waiting. So guess what? Hey, Aaron, we need something to worship. We need something to worship. We don't even know if he's coming down. He might be dead up there. I'm sure they were the biggest complainers you could ever imagine. Well, Aaron buckles under the pressure. He's just about to say, all right, give me your earrings and bracelets. Throw them in the pile. Let's go. Heat them up. He fashions and makes a golden calf for them to worship. You know what? Moses comes down, rips the calf up, shreds it all apart. Guess what he does? Grinds it up, throws it in the water, and makes them drink it. You want to know why? I got my own idea. Why? Why? Because any bit of gold that could be found could be remelted and refashioned. But once you drink it, you ain't digging through that. I'm telling you right now, that was powder ground up. That idol was thrown down, cast down, ground up, and drank so they could not remake it. That was God's grace, that they could not return back to the vomit that they came from. Now, I'm telling you, there's some of us in our lives That the reason we need revival is because we have fashioned idols in our life what do you wake up and think about in the morning what is the first thing on your mind because I'm gonna be honest with you if it's possible for an agenda to be an idol then I got it I got it because I'm gonna tell you my feet hit the ground if it's 531 I'm like you're a minute behind I gotta stop I gotta stop I gotta give my time to God you know what? I am diligent with my time. I am not an undiligent person, but I've got to relax. I've got to relax and say, you know what, God? At 5.30, I'm going to get up, and if I'm a minute late, then you could have woke me up at 5.30, and it's going to be fine. And you know what? I'm about your business today. Where do you want to break into my schedule? Because if I keep living addicted to a schedule with an agenda, it's going to become such an idol in my life. That God's never going to be able to use me in the way He wants, because I've got my own idol set up, and I know better than the Lord. It must be a timekeeper. Do you get my point? How you can make something, set it up so high in your mind that it's the only thing you think. It's the only thing you think about. Some of you are thinking, oh, I want a new house. It's time to build. It's time to do this. And the only thing that you're trying to be consumed with, oh, i got to find this. i got to do this. i got to do this. i got to do this. Stop. Stop it. For there comes an hour when man cannot work about the things of the Lord, and your life's going to be over, and you're going to wonder, what have I done? What have I done? You can't give up the secret place. You can't. We must pray and seek after God and his way. Turn from the way you think your life is supposed to look. Do you understand? Pride is one of the largest things in our lives. I always picture pride as an onion. As soon as I think I've gotten to the last piece of pride in my life, and I'm not talking about, I, I'm going I'm to go deep with this. I'm not talking about pride in arrogance, in the way you look. Um, uh, pride in how much money you make that can all be a part of that but I'm talking about when I'm talking about pride in myself I'm talking about um, little things that you find yes those bigger things are on the outside of the onion okay but have you ever seen an onion and almost the outside skin is dead and if you set it on your counter long enough it begins to peel itself right because the outward shell dies And you peel it off, and then you use what's good. But if you were to peel that off and set it back on the counter, the next layer would die and come off. Pride's like that in my life. Every time I think I get to another layer, and I'm at the core, and I've rooted it out of my life, there's another layer. I'm like, are you kidding me? I dealt with this. Why do you keep haunting me? Because I'll tell you, pride comes with a spirit of control. Pride comes with the inability to trust in something else other than yourself. And if you can do it, then you're going to do it. You're going to exhaust all of your own relation. You're going to exhaust all of your own energy. You're going to exhaust all of your own finance. And then you're going to ask for help. That's pride. So how many of you need to turn from your wicked way? This is what I'm saying. And then in that certain area, I turn from my way. I recognize it. I yield to the Lord. I ask for forgiveness. Six to eight weeks later, there it is again. Different place, different scenario, different story, but there's another layer. I'm wondering how large this onion is. I'm hoping it's it's not one of those green onions that grow up out of the ground. I'm just telling you. It's probably a Vidalia or Vandalia or something, or one of them red onions. I don't know. I'm hoping it's not the super gargantuous ones that they grow at the fairs that you can see how big they got their fruit. Just saying. The point is, is that we have to turn from what we think is right. See, the devil is deceiving us. He's deceiving us that what you're fighting for, what you're obsessed with, what you're addicted to is okay because it's for a good purpose. Not always when your boss calls you and gives you a raise is that a good thing, when it requires 12 more hours of your week. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Because now that 12 hours of your week took your secret place away. And the secret place is what you need in order to keep filled up, not hungry, not thirsty, not hopeless, not defeated, not drowned out from the cares of this world. But when you take those extra 12 hours, and there's only seven days of the week, I think I can do math, that's not real good. You're going to lose an hour and three quarters of your day. How much of that time could you have spent with the Lord, even if it's a five minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes? I don't care what that looks like for you. What does it take for you to keep the secret place? This really wasn't my message, but Tim blew me up. Here's what I know. Search me, O oh God. It's going to take more than a 20-minute worship service. It's going to take more than a regular attendance in church. When Pastor Dosik said that the Lord told him that we were going to do seek and find, let me tell you something. That was a rain shower from heaven that came upon a dry and thirsty land because of what we've all been fighting for the last year and a half. And we didn't even know that we needed it. We didn't even know that we needed it. And here's what's happening. You come and sit in the service. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is sit and allow the sweet presence of the Lord to work. That's it. That's it. You don't have to like the songs. You don't have to clap. You don't have to dance. You don't have to cry. You don't even have to stand. Let the Spirit do His work. Seeking and sitting at His feet. No agenda. No time prepare dinner, moms, I'm speaking to you, prepare dinner, leave them with dad, and say, I don't know when I'm going to be home, but I'm going to spend time with my Jesus. And then dads, you get to come the next night, and you do the same thing. And for those of you that don't have children, then you're just, you're just carefree and lucky at this point. You just get to be free. There's something about sitting and seeking who he is no agenda. I'm not asking anything from you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be. And before you know it, six, eight weeks later, you come up against something, and guess what? What used to bother you, don't even bother you. What used to matter, you're like, yeah, no, I don't think we need to do that. You know why? That's just not where God wants us right now. Something has changed on the inside because of the presence of God, just sitting in it. Pastor Tim, asking the kids at youth camp, what mattered most to you? What did they say? The presence. The presence. Because sitting in his presence will change your life. But Matthew 26, and I'm gonna close, twenty six forty one says, your spirit is willing. Oh, but that flesh that you have, that flesh that your blood runs in, that flesh that you put clothes on every day, that flesh that demands food every three and a half to four hours, that decides whether you want salty or sweet, diet Coke or regular Coke, or 12 Pillsbury breadsticks the other day for dinner. Randy came home and said, what are we having for dinner? I said, I don't know. I made a can of Pillsbury breadsticks and ate them all. (laughs) He said, my, bad day, bad day. I said, no, just first day back from vacation. It's all good, all good. Pillsbury, thank you very much. Your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. Here's what I'm telling you, that revival or that that secret place and keeping a secret place and if you're in the place that you have lacked your consciousness and you need reawakened to what's important in God's world and you need to start afresh, then you're going to have to push past some things because your flesh doesn't want you to push past it. Your flesh wants you to remain just the same way you are. Push through the lack of motivation. Push through the fact that you don't want to come to church when all they're doing is worshiping. Because it really makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it when we just sing. I don't like it. I don't want anybody to hear me you know what? You're going to have to lose your inhibitions. You're going to have to lose it. If you could do it in the world by a drink of alcohol, then you can do it in the church with a drink of his presence. You can do it with a drink of his spirit. And I'm telling you, you got to push past your comfort, push past the fact that the service lasted too long. My gosh, I just felt like it was done at nine o'clock. Why do we have to stay till 1130? Well, you know what? Just sit me quiet. Don't even, don't even write anything down anymore. Just sit and let the presence of God wash over you. Just sit in it. It'll do what it needs to do. But there comes a point that it's time that you've got to cry out to God and say, you know what, I'm not leaving this place. I don't care if I have to sit here for three and a half hours, but I need one word from you. I'm not moving until you speak. Where did the pressure come? Where, where did the pressure from the world come so big oh, come on. that we give up so easy? Come on. Good word. Because we don't keep the secret place. Some of us have let our secret place go too far away. It's way, way, way away. And Pastor's Tim's message opened up the door to allow you that you could come back. You're not too far gone. You're never too far gone. Listen, the day you say, Jesus, he's there. Draw near unto me and I will draw near unto you. It didn't say he was drawing near to you first. It said, draw near to me. Remember, faith takes an action. Faith says, I believe in you. I believe you're here and you want to spend time with me. And God says, I'm here. Been waiting. But it requires an action. Revival is not a three-day meeting. Revival, some people say, I don't want revival in our church because I don't want to come to church every single night for one year. You know what? Revival can start in your home and go into your workplace and go into everything else around you. But let me tell you something. If true revival began in every heart of every member in this church, and you knew that every single person you invited on the street would say yes and come to church that night and get saved and get healed and be transformed, you would be in church every single night for as many years as it took. I'm telling you this, if true revival, if what we say we mean, that we want our nation changed, we want our communities transformed, then revival has to start with you and I and it begins in the secret place and I promise you your hopelessness will be restored repentance will come and you will turn from what you think is right and you will turn to God reestablish an altar a place where you pray a place where you seek not just on Sunday not just on Wednesday. And if you're in this building and you have not come to a seek and find, oh my gosh, please, it's coming again. Come. Just sit in his presence and watch your life change. Next week, my message hopefully will not be dumped on by Tim LaMaster, and we'll start at a different place. About Revival and we're gonna go into the Bible and I'm gonna show you true revivals that took place because of repentance and what happened and how God showed up and moved and what are things you can identify around you to identify you're in a place of true revival because I'm telling you prepare yourselves and get ready I'm not sure how long the Lord will tarry let us pray Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and God, I count it an honor to be with your people tonight. Father, to be able to share the word that you've given me, to encourage them. Father, to keep and maintain this relationship, God, that you so desire with us. Father, make us like you. Father, show us, reveal to us, Father, the things inside of us that are wicked. This week I ask that you reveal anything that we've fashioned in our own mind and in our life that we've put before you and that we have begun to worship in a sense instead of doing what you want us to do. Father, begin to reveal these things to us. And Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we are more aware of your spirit than we've ever been before. Father, turn it back on. Those that of us that are asleep, and possibly unconscious to the spiritual things. Father, awaken them. Awaken them, Father. And begin to, the hunger and thirst, Father, begin to put it in their hearts as a deer would pant after the water. In Jesus' name, awaken us to the things of the Spirit, God, for we are ready to do your work.